Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Go ahead and have a seat, please. You all are smiling way too much and having too much fun to be describing things that have broken down. I'm just telling you that right now. How many of you have had something mechanical break down in the last week? More than one thing break down. For us, washing machine broke down. Here's my question, though. Whatever was going to break down, did you hear the warning signs? Did you hear the warning signs? Did you pay attention to that? And then what did you do in response? Probably depends upon a couple things. One is how valuable is that thing? And number two, what is the cost of inaction? What are the consequences of not doing anything? Well, this isn't a message on home repair and the merits of YouTube, which I would agree with uh, Brother Ben over there for sure. But what do you do when you get warning signs of things that are breaking down? And by things, I don't mean things. I mean relationships that are near and dear to you. We've been in a series simply called Real Faith for Real People in the Real World. And in the real world, things break down. Relationships can go south. Even people who love Jesus can be in conflict, can quarrel and fight. And I want to suggest to us this morning that this is, this is a big deal and we've got a lot to learn and a lot of great opportunity this morning. In this series, we've said a few things. We've said that um, we cannot control the trials that come our way. But we can control our training. That's what we can control. We can work with the Holy Spirit. We can use our trials. We can develop habits where God can change our hearts and conform us more and more to be like Jesus. We have a great opportunity this morning as we get into James chapter 4 to deal with the relationships that may be breaking down, where there may be quarrels and fights. So let's go right to James chapter 4 and get to it. Are you ready this morning? James 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people 
Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you this morning especially for its clarity. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide my words. I want them to be super clear and helpful and bring you glory and honor. And ask that you burn off whatever doesn't do that. And give us all ears to hear and an openness to receive whatever you would teach us this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. James gives us a very straightforward word this morning. He gives us a picture of quarreling and fighting. And he gives us a warning. Now, over and against that warning, that picture... James, the younger brother of Jesus, remember he's the one who didn't buy it until the resurrection. There was, I'm sure, plenty of quarreling and fighting in that household about Jesus and who is he. It wasn't until after the resurrection that James would come to put his faith in Christ. But Jesus says this, uh, John 13, 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so much you must love one another. By this everyone will know, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I want you to put those two pictures together, this picture of quarreling and fighting And this command, this beautiful picture of love that Jesus describes. This is very much a how-to message. But before we get to the how-to, let me give you the why. And I want to put it very bluntly and simply. When we fight each other, we drag the name of Jesus through the mud. We hurt each other and we allow Satan to win. Just let that sit on you for a moment. We are out of alignment with what Jesus wants us to do and be. If you've been around church for a minute or you've studied church history, you know 
that there's a lot of wonderful things the church has done. There's a lot of wonderful things followers of Jesus have done throughout history. Even things like hospitals and universities and the Red Cross and all kinds of the birth of science has very much Christian roots. But in that history is also a littering of quarreling and fighting. If you're any student of history at all, you you know about some of those battles, literal wars, even at a church level. We're not without our own times of quarreling and fighting. Within our own families, if we're really honest, maybe we've got some quarreling and fighting. But whatever the case, our quarrels and our fights are a big deal. Now let me make a distinction here, really important. When we describe quarreling and fighting, we are not talking about honest debate and conversation around issues we may have disagreement on. We are not talking about working through and resolving conflict in a biblical way. We are not talking about doing the hard work of speaking the truth in love. Those are all necessary and good. But there is a identification of quarreling and fighting that is not. And I'll make one little distinction between kind of those groups of things. When I'm in a quarrel and fight, what matters most is that I win. And there's a conspicuous absence of love. Now, I want to give you some suggestions, a pathway this morning. And sometimes when we, we think about quarreling and fighting, it's, it's the water we swim in today in so many different ways, and I'm, I, don't, I don't have time to give you all the examples I could think of. But when we consider this, sometimes I've heard, well, hey, Jesus got angry, Jesus overturned the table in the temples, Jesus threw people out, Jesus got the whip and did all those things. Guess what? You and I are not Jesus. There are some things Jesus can handle that you and I cannot There are some things that Jesus did that we are not called to do because we are not in his seat. Amen? Now, let me give you some helpful steps. Let me give you a process to follow. Four steps that I believe from the word are are critical for us. Number one, listen to the warning signs and play the consequences forward. Listen to the warning signs. Underneath all of this is this big idea that our battles on the outside, our, con- our, our quarrels, our fights, are somehow indicators of our battles on the inside. Whatever conflict, whatever battle on the outside says something about what's going on on the inside. I've yet to look back at a battle 
at a conflict, at a quarrel or fight I've been a part of, I've yet to look back and say, you know what, I handled that thing with perfection. A hundred percent. I was right every single step of the way. Everything I've ever been a part of, there's been something that the Lord has taught me and somewhere where I was off. So let's listen to the warning signs and play the consequences forward. James 4.1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. So much of the time when, when we can hear warning signs, I'll do this in my cars. I drive old cars. I've had all kinds of old cars. My first instinct sometimes when I hear a rattle that I don't like, turn up the radio. <laughs> Pretend like it's not there. Have you done that? Have you done that? What I would invite you to consider is to play those consequences of inaction forward. The other day in one of our cars, the car that my wife Kim drives, we had one of those rattles. And I've had enough, I've called enough tow trucks, I know when things sound bad. Check engine lights, and I don't even, you know, that's a whole other story. It's always something with the emissions, right? It's not a big deal. But I heard that sound, and I'm like, you know what, let me, let me play this forward. She's a labor delivery nurse, has to drive 30 minutes to work every, early in the morning, comes home later. What if she gets caught in the rain, the car breaks down, and I knew something was wrong with it? Now, that's a car, but play it forward. Play that thing forward. What will happen? Play the warning signs forward. The pain of broken relationships. What's the cost of not intervening in some way? Now, you can think short-term or you can think eternal terms. Someday we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. What did you do with what I gave you? How much time, how much energy, how much pain could have been prevented, could have been used better for the kingdom if we were to pay attention and get involved in the right way? So when we think about what are the types of relationships that might be subject to quarreling and fighting? James is talking here primarily about relationships between believers. I believe it also has application beyond that, but that's his primary thing. So that could be spouses, kids, parents, family, small group, work relationships. Could be aggressive could be everybody's favorite, the passive-aggressive. What are those signs? Something is off, there's distance, there's coldness, there's avoidance. I've referred multiple times to the head on a swivel in the grocery store test. When I go in the grocery store and I see somebody and I got my head on a swivel and I don't want to go see them. Do you have people like that in your life? Everything is an obligation, something is off, and it's heading in the wrong direction. 
So the first admonition is to listen, listen, pay attention to those warnings. Secondly, look inside before you look outside. Look inside before you look outside. Quarreling and fighting tends to look outside first. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with the world? I'm on social media. Look at all the problems. Yeah, they're there. But what about here? What about my own heart? James 4, 2, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And you may say, well, hey, I haven't killed anybody. I'm good. Jesus had something to say about that in Matthew 5. He says, don't commit murder, sure. But I say anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So what's going on inside? What's going on underneath? Do you have the courage to do a brutal self-assessment? Do you have that habit in place to, to really look inside? Say, what's going on? What's going on at the heart level? I cannot do that on my own all the time. I need the Spirit, I need God's Word, and I need other people. Do you have a habit of doing that self-assessment? The Word invites us to examine your prayer life. Examine your prayer life. What does your prayer life say? James says this, you, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. When I fail to pray, what am I saying? When I fail to pray, I am putting my agenda first and I am relying on my own smart thinking. When I fail to pray, when we fail to pray, that's what we're doing. When I don't get what I want from God, my wants may need to change. I may be prioritizing my pleasure over God's plan. What is your prayer life? If you do an honest examination of your own prayer life, what does that reveal? It's one of those checks. Second thing is to name what you love more than God. Name what you love more than God. James 4, 4, 5 says, uh, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Now, this is a picture here that may hit you funny. He's talking about the jealousy of God. And you say, well, I think jealousy is a bad thing. And generally, for us, it is. But what this does, it's, it's looking back. It's looking back to God and his relationship with his covenant people who have committed spiritual adultery and have abandoned him for other gods. We worship a personal God. 
God who is pursuing us. And it's hurtful to God when we abandon him and pursue other ultimate things. That's the picture. God's not an abstract force. God is personal, and he is pursuing you. Let me give you a couple tests to help you think through this. What is your greatest love, and how do you know? It's easy to say, I, you know, I'm going to put Luke 10, 27 on the fridge and say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's me. But do, the, do what I'm going to call the corporate mission statement site visit test. Anybody in the corporate world? Nobody. Anybody in the educational world? Okay. Have you ever had a site visit? Have you ever had somebody come in to, the, to the, the site and say, how are we doing? Well, there's two ways to look at that. One, one is, what's, what's your mission statement? Is everybody aligned with that? And can they spit that out? Or what is actually going on? I once had a friend long ago who was a teacher, and he knew this was coming. So here was his plan. He gave the kids in the classroom little scripts that they could say <laughs> During the walkthrough, during the observation. So the whole thing was a charade. I'm like, brother, put that, put that effort into teaching and you'd be good. And it wouldn't matter when they would show up. But is that command to love, is it just something on the wall or is it your life? There's the private and corporate worship test. Do you enjoy worshiping? Does that come out of your heart? What gets you up in the morning? What are you pursuing? What keeps you up at night? Now, don't mishear me on the what keeps you up at night. Kids, tough tough things can keep you up at night. I'm not talking just about that, but do you have an overwhelming pattern of worry and anxiety about your success, your kids' success, those types of things that ultimately show what is most important? you. The truth is Jesus desperately loves you and me and us and he is pursuing us. So what does our love look like? The third thing is to loosen your grip and let God take control. One of my pet peeves is spiritual cliches and I've almost given you a couple. I think this falls somewhere between Jesus take the wheel, you know, you know the song. In other words, I, 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 everything's terrible and I, I've completely given up. I have no control. I have no agency. I can't do anything. I'm going to close my eyes in the middle of the storm. Jesus, take it. And God is my co-pilot. <laughs> One seems on this end. The other seems on this end. The reality of it is God is working in us and through us and guiding us. But we have to let go to allow him to work. He gives us more grace. He gives us more grace. What is grace at a theological level? It's, it's God, it's unmerited favor, but it's God giving us what we need, what we cannot do on our own. It's the grace that saves us. It's the grace 
that comes to us when we first say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When I say, I, I am not my own savior, I can't earn this thing. It's also the grace that empowers us on a daily basis. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in us that is giving us what we need in the moment. So how do we receive? We have to open our heads, our hearts, and our hands to receive. If I'm so caught up in my own agenda, if I'm hanging on so much, I'm just closed-fisted and I can't receive. I have to let, I have to choose to let God do the fighting. James says this in verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. To submit ourselves is to put our authority, our responsibility under God's. That's the call. What does that look like? Again, it's not just what, what's on the wall, but what does that actually look like? How do I actually do that? Jesus, Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When I when I open up, I can receive. I can make room for God to work. And James pointedly is going to refer to the battle. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What, is that, what does that ultimately look like? Well, there's a reality. If we're going to talk about real faith and the real world, the reality is, there's a spiritual realm of attack. One of the number one ways the evil one will work is to try to divide followers of Jesus. That's reality. How many of you have seen that in your life at some point? You've seen the evil one try to wedge relationships and divide people. I agree with C.S. Lewis where he he says, whenever we talk about the devil, we tend to fall into one of two errors. One is to say the devil's behind everything. But the other is to treat the devil like a cartoon where he doesn't really exist. We need to see the reality. We need to understand. We need to pray. We need to let God do the fighting for us. And that begins with submitting. Pastor Dean's going to be doing a class talking about spiritual warfare coming up. Great opportunity for that, to give you some concrete tools in that. But there is a spiritual battle that we all fight. Finally, love your brothers and sisters by building them up. It's hard to be quarreling and fighting when your primary mindset is to build up your brothers and sisters. Verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister 
or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James here is talking specifically about slandering, about tearing down the reputation of somebody. The old King James talks about backbiting. What a great image of of talking about somebody behind their back, tearing them down. The complete opposite of building up. Friends, as brothers and sisters of Christ, we are called to build one another up. Someday you and I are all going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give that account. And I want you to hear the warning from God's word today. And if there is a relationship, if there's a quarrel or fight, hear that warning. Look at the warning signs. Play that forward. I beg of you, don't just turn the radio up. Lean into that. Look inside. Loosen your grip. And let God take control and then respond in love. That's our charge this morning. The good news is we don't have to do it alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your words of warning that can be hard to hear. But when we heed that and we act, someday we'll look back and we will say, thank you, Jesus. So whatever that is for us this morning, those of us sitting in this room, those of us hearing this message, may we respond as you would have us respond. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.